Welcome to Global Outreach Community Church, where we proclaim and demonstrate the love of God through Christ. Now, from the Overlook, located in Atascacita, Texas, here is Pastor Anderson with today's message. And we want to continue in our series, A Vision with a Purpose. And we're going to look at chapter 4 of Nehemiah. And chapter 4 is so pivotal because as we look at Nehemiah, this video speaks volumes because in chapter 4, we're going to see that Nehemiah and those who are called to build the wall will face criticism. And this morning, God has given each of you a vision for your life hopefully for your marriage, for your career, for your singleness as a parent, as a husband, as a son, as a daughter, as a student, (coughs) as a business owner. God will fulfill that vision. But will you commit to prayer? And the reason why I want to impress this on you this morning is that as you walk out the vision in your life, Expect negative criticism. That the enemy will use people to criticize. And you have to be great at understanding that the enemy is behind people using them to get you distracted. And it's not for you to talk about them. But the best way that you respond to criticism is what Nehemiah did in chapter 4. So a quick review. Chapter 1, we see he has his vision. Verse 4, he hears about the walls in Jerusalem that's broken down. The gates are burned. And he weeps and he mourns. He fasts and he prays for the state of Jerusalem. His home, because he is now in Persia, he's the cupbearer to the king. His job is to taste the king's wine. But as he tastes the king's wine, can you see him this morning? Sipping the wine, but thinking about home. And there are many times that we are sipping the wine and thinking about our children, our marriages. So this morning, I really hope that your minds are locked in because you will get criticized. So in verse 4, I love that he weeps, he mourns, he fasts, he prays. We understand he prays. As for forgiveness of sin, just a quick review, his personal sin, but also the sins of his brethren. One of the things that happened to me in Guatemala is that They were giving out awards, transparency. They were giving out awards to our leaders for the ministry that they have constructed and been very successful at. Something happened to pastor when they were giving out awards. I was sitting there and out of nowhere, this feeling came to me like, why are they not rewarding me? This sense of pride started swelling up, and I was struggling, saying, man, what is going on, God? What is going on? So I went back to my room, and I was just praying, God, I'm not looking for the rewards of men. 
help me with this. The next day they honored another guy from Russia. And Ms. Jemison, I'm sitting there and I just feel this, this sinfulness rising up in me and I was struggling. Because you gotta get great at knowing the issues of sin in your life. So Erica, I'm struggling. I go back to my room, I say, God, I don't like this feeling, forgive me. I go back the next day and then they honored one of our teammates in Latin America, Julio Gomez, and it came up again and I went back and I was struggling. So this week, as I was talking to Dan Bishop, my leadership, executive leadership coach, one of the things that I'm very good at is being very transparent with me, but being transparent to my coach. There's no sense of me hiring and paying for a coach if I'm not honest with the coach. So he said, Eric, let's go through our run. Recognize. That's the R. You understand. And then after you recognize, after you understand, and navigate. So Eric, what are two things that you recognize about yourself on your trip? I said, real quick, I'll share the first one. Pride swelled up. He said, well, let's walk through that. I said, Dan, I didn't like the feeling, but pride rose up. And I struggled with the sense of pride. And I asked God to forgive me for that pride. He said, great, you recognize. Secondly, did you understand where the pride came from? I said, yes. I realized that I was more concerned with the rewards of men more than the rewards of God. And I said, God had to break me on the inside and said, listen, quit worrying about what they do. Keep focused on me and be more concerned about what I do. I'm talking about confession of sin. That you have to get good at realizing you have to confess your sins, not just praying for your family and asking God to forgive their sins. What about you this morning? Do you have somebody who's a coach that you can be transparent with, who can challenge you to your core and cut you open, but help you be good at what God called you to do? And he said this, write this down, please. He said, Eric, I pastored over 40 years. And now I'm leading, leading global leaders. He said, Eric, here's what I want you to get good at. Smell the perfume, don't drink it. I said, Dan, unpack that. He said, perfume is made to be smelled. Don't drink it. All those accolades smell good, but you started drinking it. Never drink the perfume because it'll kill you. Get good at confessing your sins. He confessed his sins, the sins of his uh, brothers, and then he went from that to praying for favor and success. Pray for favor and success. Secondly, he planned. He spent four months planning. We know that. He planned. He walked. He didn't move too fast. He investigated. Get good at slowing down on your vision. Walk it. Slow down and do some extensive investigation on your vision. Fourth thing, he knew what God called him to do. Do you really know what God is calling you to do? Are you clear about that? Or are you just blowing any way that the wind blows? You have to get great at knowing what God called you to do. So he knew that. But then next step was he wasn't concerned about the how that was God's job. I don't know how God's going to give you that vision you share with me, you and your husband. That's his job. Your job is to trust God by faith, to step out on God in faith and know that God will do anything but fail. So that's chapter one. Chapter two, 
Chapter 3, summarized. We get to chapter 3, and now the vision is off the ground. And Nehemiah, he gets all the people, and he's casting vision, and he strategically places the people on the wall in strategic places in front of their homes because he knew if he placed them in front of their homes, they would make sure that that wall was built. And what I love about it is that the people didn't have an ego because chapter 3, verse 1, it started with the priest. That if you're going to have a vision, it starts with the leader. It starts with the spiritual leader. Leadership is not easy. But doggone it, you got to lead. And every time you lead, you are understanding that your job is to not make people happy. Your job is to accomplish the vision. And that's why I love good coaches. Man, deliver me from all these people who are complaining about the coach at Michigan State. I'm glad he got in that guy's face. I'm glad he challenges him. They want to win a championship. And if you don't want to get back on defense, sit down. Leadership. It's not easy. And that's why everybody's not made out to be a leader. Because some people are more people pleasers than they're God pleasers. So Nehemiah got on the wall. And then we get to chapter 4. So can we walk through chapter 4? Chapter 4, Nehemiah endures sarcasm, gossip, mockery, threat, False allegations. And if you're going to fulfill the vision that God has placed in your heart, realize people will gossip. You will get threats. People will become jealous. And many times we'll see in the scripture, they become jealous because you become a threat to them. Don't worry about that. Get good praying. So would you journey with me this morning? Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 1. Now it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. The reason why Sanballat became upset is because if the wall got built, he would lose his political power. Don't miss that this morning. That if the walls were really constructed, he will lose out. So he became angry and jealous. And that is what happens in your life. That when you really step out on faith and you become all that God is challenging you to become, people will get upset and they will get furious and they will mock you because you are now a threat. And sometimes the threat is just as simple as, you're leaving them behind. You're no longer wanting to do worldly things, but that you want to get great at being who God called you to be. Be great at being you. Be great at being a kingdom man and a kingdom woman that God is calling you. So they mocked him. Verse 2, And he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria, and he said five questions. Watch this. They're rebuilding, and, and, and Sam Ballard gets in front of the people with influence. Many times, when people are mocking you, they do it in front of other people of influence. Don't get concerned with the people of influence. Be concerned with God. Now, watch the five things he said. 
What are these feeble Jews? He called the Jews feeble. Secondly, are they going to restore the wall of themselves? Third, can they offer sacrifices? Fourth, can they finish in a day? Fifth, can they revive the stones from the dusty rubbles, even the burned ones? He says, wait a minute. They're working and they're feeble. People are looking at you calling you feeble because they see you don't have all the degrees you want. You may not have the resources, so they call you feeble. Then they say, wait a minute, they can't restore them by themselves. But what I love about Nehemiah, Nehemiah knew he wasn't trying to do it by themselves. They had the help of God. And if you're going to earn that scholarship and you're going to be great at being who God called you to be, you have to understand it's not about them, it's about him. And then can they even worship and can they finish? But this one threw me off. Can they revive the stones? No, the stones were burned by fire. It wasn't their job to rebuild the dusty stones or revive them. It was their good job to trust God. So can we keep walking this morning? Verse 3. So Tobiah, the Ammonite, was near him. And he said, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their walls. Can you see the mockery? They're rebuilding, but what they're going to be rebuilding is so shabby that one fox is going to jump on the wall and crush the whole work. See yourself this morning. What is God calling you to do, coach? And if he's calling you to do it, the whispers. And even though people are whispering, can you hear God's voice louder than a whisper? Can we keep journeying? Verse 4, watch what Nehemiah does. Hear, O our God, underline, he prayed. And if you're going to get great at handling negative criticism, on the screen, Marcus, you got to get great at praying. Prayer. So let me slow down. This week was a hard week for me. And I was sharing with a few people. Not only was it hard on the job, but then I had to deal with some other things. So Wednesday, I had to just come home and steal my mind and talk to God. And God revived me, but I got it up Thursday. Got to the office, boom, 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 boom. Have you ever just had a day where it just seems like hell is breaking loose? And I went there and it was just everything coming at me, internationally, here at home. Stuff breaking down. I got home. I still my mind. I went to God in prayer. Because I need to hear the voice of God louder than the voice of chaos. Okay, God. Friday, I told my parents, I need you to be ready at 6. We're going to the 40-40 gator of my pastor to celebrate 40 years. Daddy, please be ready at 6. I'm on to open up at 7, be ready. I get there at 6.15. My dad is walking around with no shirt on, transparency, tie on his head, his pants, and immediately I got frustrated. Now, let me say this. If you've never taken care of not one but two sick parents, you can't criticize me. Because the shoe is not on your foot. 
And when it gets on your foot, you will see something totally different. So instead of going off, I went outside and I prayed. I said, God, I need to be on time. I walked back in. I went to the room. My mom had on, she didn't have on clothes. Let's just say that. I said, Mom, I need to go. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just 445. I said, no, Mom, it's six something. Walked back outside. I started praying. I came back. I text Eric Carrington. I may not be there. Find somebody else. I text those who had tickets. Hey, I told them at the front door, you have tickets, just sit at my table. And I drove all the way to the event quiet. And as my parents were getting into it, I had to steal my mind and talk to God. Because the vision that night was to pray. And I couldn't pray frustrated. And I couldn't pray upset. And I couldn't talk to God with all the chaos in the back seat. So I drove to the front door, took my parents, we're not even going to finish this message, took my parents out, rolled them in, went to the back, prayed, got on the stage, and I don't even know if my wife recognized this. I slowed down my prayer to think and to hear from God. What are you doing when chaos hits you? Are you great at praying or are you great at complaining? That was Friday. So I had every intention of going to sleep until about one on Saturday. I got up at six. I wake up at four every day religiously without a clock. That's how I work. Because I get more done from four to about nine than most people get in a whole day. And then I work in sections. So I got up, my wife said, I thought you were sleeping. I said, babe, you know me. I can't just lay here. I got up, I went to the gym, and I worked out. And then I met Cheryl in downtown to pick up Aaron. But before I met Cheryl, you know what I did? I walked from one end of downtown to the other praying. Just praying. Because I needed to get me right. And I was praying about things in my life. And God revealed this to me by watching a video. Watched a video while I was walking, Bishop T.D. Jakes. And he said when he was preaching, his mother-in-law was dying. So he would preach and get up about faith and talk about deliverance and talk about healing and go home. And his mother-in-law was dying. And people running around the church and, your mother-in-law's going to be healed? He said, I didn't need to hear no scripture. My mother-in-law was dying. She died. They buried her. His mother got sick. He said he would get up and preach healing and deliverance and God's going to bless you and God's going to do this. And if you give and go home and feed his mom. And then take his mom and they moved into the hospital. He would preach deliverance and healing and faith and go to the hospital and change his mother's diapers. He's traveling the world writing books. But his mom is dying. And he said every Sunday he had to preach because people need to hear it, but go home and die on the inside with his mother. I hope you hear me tonight. He said what got him through was prayer. And when people was criticizing him, after he lost his mother-in-law and his mother, he still preached, still handled the criticism, negative people, and prayed this morning.
God is speaking to somebody. Your vision is big enough, but will you pray? Get great at praying. So verse 4, hear, O God, how we are despised. Return their approach on their heads and give them up for the plunder in the land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquities, nor do you forgive their sins. Don't blot it out. Keep it before you, for they have demoralized the people. Can you see that? Nehemiah is so upset that he's a ball of emotions. I'm not saying you need to ask God to heap coals on people, but what I'm saying is be like Nehemiah. Get good at being honest with God in prayer. He was honest with God. He said, God, just blot them out. Get rid of them. He was honest. How honest are you when you pray? You can't fool God. You can fool me. He got great at it. Watch this. Just just stay with me. I'm not looking at my notes this morning. God is just feeding me. Stay with me. Verse 2 and 3, criticism. Verse 4, he prayed. Verse 7 and 8, criticize, and then they want to fight him. Verse 9, he prayed. I'm not making it up. It's right here in my Bible. And that's why I love the Bible. If I'm preaching it and you can't find it, you better question me. Then anytime you sit under any pastor preacher and they're saying something and you can't find it in the word, you need to question what they're saying. Do you see Nehemiah? He was great at praying when he received criticism. Aaron and Lauren and Madison, when people criticize you on campus, don't respond by talking about them. Respond by praying. My grandmother used to say it this way. Don't go tit for tat. I never knew what that meant, but I guess she was trying to say, don't respond. So verse 4 and 5, he prays. But watch verse 6. So we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Can we pause? The people were demoralized. They were discouraged, but they kept their hand to the work. You may become discouraged, but don't you stop working. It may not work out in your timing, but don't stop. Verse 7, and we're almost done. Now when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Astrodites, heard that the repairs of the wall of Jerusalem went on, and that the breach began to close, they were very angry. And they conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause disturbance. And here we go, verse 9, Nehemiah prayed. So if you love writing in your Bible like I do, but we pray to our God. He got great at praying. And look at his prayer in verse 10. And I believe I have this up, Marcus, verse 10. In his prayer, he says, thus is Jerusalem. The strength of the burning battles is failing. God, we're losing our strength. Yet there is much rebel, rubble. We ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. He says, God, we're losing our strength. We're losing focus on the vision. And we lost our confidence. And not only that, verse 11, the enemy says they would not know what hit them. They won't see it until we come along and we kill them and put a stop to the work. 
Their sin is to intimidate the people. And you have to understand, people are great at trying to intimidate you. Don't you let anybody intimidate you from fulfilling your God-given vision and call. Verse 12, when the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times, they will come up against us from every place where you may turn. Here's what I love. If you pray, God exposed the enemy. But you better get good at praying. Because if you pray, God exposed. And that's why we want to pray. So can I end in verse 14 and 15? 14. When I saw their fear, I arose and spoke to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your house. And here it is. When our enemies heard that it was known to us, underline this, that God had frustrated their plans. Did you see who did the frustrating? God. Don't you do it, let God do it. God will frustrate the enemy plans. So here's how I want to end. There's four things we're going to discuss next week. So if we can put it up. I want you to be prepared. Number one, Nehemiah prayed. Prayer puts negative criticism in its proper context. That when you pray and the criticism happens, you can put it in its proper context. Here's the second thing that we're going to discuss. Prayer enables you to evaluate negative criticism from God's perspective. When you pray, you evaluate the criticism not from people's perspective, but from God's perspective. Here's the third thing we're going to discuss. Nehemiah prayed, and prayer helps you remember. Remember what? Who gave you the vision? That when you pray, it's going to help you remember who gave it to you. I heard people saying, you, so you're going to try to build this church? I've seen some of the pictures. There's like about 10 people in here. I don't care if it's five. I'm doing what I called, I'm called to do. Because at the end of the day, if it's the right five, God will blow on the five and there'll be 10,000. Come on, y'all. God will do it. I started to re respond to this person. Bro, that was at like 935. It doesn't matter. It's negative criticism. And God is saying, Eric, just let me frustrate the enemy. You remain focused on the vision. And here's the fourth thing. When you pray, God will expose and frustrate the enemy's plan. I'm done, y'all. Can you end with that video? When you pray. And when God frustrates the enemy's plan, this is what I want you to do. That you have to get great at celebrating God. Because he's going to frustrate the enemy's plan. 
And when he does that, can you celebrate God? Can you celebrate him? So even before we get the video up, even if it comes up, she went in the closet to pray. And at the end of the movie, Priscilla Shire, that's the name of the young lady, marriage was healed. And I want you to listen to this phone call. That once the marriage was healed, Thank you for listening. Join us each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. at The Overlook, located in Atascacita, Texas. Visit us online at www.globaloutreachcc.org. Remember, your life matters because it matters to Christ.